All right, appreciate y'all tuning in. Welcome to the Bliss is Ignorant podcast. It's comedian Jay Bliss. Uh, I'm back again with another uh, comedian friend of mine uh, this week. Um, and unfortunately, the first time I did a podcast with this dude, we did a whole hour, dope podcast, didn't record, and I was pissed off. So now we had to come back and redo it because this was supposed to be the, the debut of the Zoom podcast, and it didn't work out that way. But I'm glad I brought him back. He agreed to do another hour with me <laughs> for no charge. <laughs> Give it up for my man, Bodacious. What's happening, man? What's good, man? Hey, so let's let's talk for a minute. We got to talk about the obvious, man. Like, what are you what are you doing to pass the time, man? <laughs> Anything I can. Yeah. I got back in the Sopranos, man. So that's six seasons, thirteen episodes a season. Yeah. A lot of time. New season of Kirby Enthusiasm. Right, writing. Been doing a lot of shit, man. So it's, you know, it's 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 amazing to get through a day now. I know. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking at the clock. You know, like everybody else, and then before you know it, it's it's ten o'clock at night. Then it's like that limbo period. It's like, do I carry my ass to bed? Nah. Or, do, or then you realize I'm up, I'm up till three o'clock in the morning. So it's almost like a whole nother something else that went on, or I didn't find something else to get into, or I'm in scrolling through social media and got caught into some web of information I'm trying to find out. You know what I mean? It's just like back and forth. Three o'clock is a staple, man. Right, right, gosh. <laughs> you know what's got, you know what's got what captured my attention, believe it or not, man, over the last, what, four or five weeks? That damn TikTok. That, that shit got me, that, <laughs> that shit got me. My life is never going to get that bad and I download TikTok. <laughs> I'm scroll, but I'm scrolling through looking at the Oh, news. looking at other people. Right, okay. right. I'm not, I'm not doing Like, I'm uploading uh, comedy clips. Don't right. get me wrong. I upload comedy clips and I upload, like, advertisements to the podcast and stuff like that. But just looking at what people are doing, dude, dude I'm cracking. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, I think the thing that, uh, like, they, they ask you to choose what your interests are, right? So obviously, like pets, um, I'm into sports, I'm into dancing, I'm into music, you know, stuff like that. So what's on my timeline, I see a lot of people doing dumb stuff with their dogs and cats, which is funny as hell. Then right. I see like, uh, I see like dunks in uh, college sports, high school sports. I see people doing trick shots, all kinds of stuff like that. Then I get the battle rappers. Like, that's funny as hell to me. You know what I mean? But the, th <laughs> the thing about the battle rappers with me is that everything had to include a gun. Like, I'm like, yo, everything got to be a gun? Like, everything? You know what I mean? So it's just a whole bunch of nonsense. You can't assault nobody no more, man. Nah, not, not no more. Not no more, man. You can't, you um, can't even state your opinion, so. <laughs> that's you, you know what? The funny thing about it is, man, it's very rare nowadays when I find somebody um, when it comes to grown men. I mean, grown men you can actually reach out to and be able to talk to. But like sometimes a grown man always is able to agree to disagree, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, we don't want to argue. Right, I'm not going to argue. I'd rather do anything than sit here and, and with mindless chatter and argue with, a month, with somebody that I know the shit ain't going to get resolved, so. <laughs> it's a waste of time and energy, man. Like it's, it, it takes a lot out of you. I, I refuse. Right. I refuse to discuss hip hop with somebody, you know, 30 years old because we are not going to see eye to eye. Absolutely. A absolutely. Um, I think you I came into the wheelhouse. Lil Wayne is the greatest of all time. The conversation has ended. Right. 
Right, right, absolutely. I know, I know five people that haven't died. I mean, when you say Wayne is the greatest alive, I, I can say I can name ten people that haven't died yet. So, I, so, so to avoid this argument, okay, you're not gonna get my blood pressure up, young boy. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. I know, um, and I know it's all basically based off of what time frame they came up in or what they used to listening to, but yeah, I not, came in, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm not mad at him because it's, it's just an age and different era thing. I get it. Right, right. Like, I, I tell you what, like, I came into an era. I'm glad I came in when I came in. Um, I was born at a time where hip-hop was basically at it in its accept, inception. You know what I mean? So when I was introduced to hip-hop, I remember specifically um, hearing or buying Curtis Blow's uh, 8 Million Story uh, cassette. Right. And I remember buying Run DMC, Run DMC, uh, right. their first album. That was the first two cassettes I bought from Lori's Tapes and Music in Camden, New Jersey, right? And uh -huh. I remember the first album I bought was the Fat Boys. That was the first oh. album, right? That's the first album I ever received, Christmas, man, 83, <laughs> right. 84. Right, yeah, right. Never got Right, right. First album I bought was the Fat Boys. And so I, I remember just the growth of hip hop and how it came out. I remember listening to 30 days over and over and over and over again from, from, uh, from Run DMC. And I remember the, uh, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde uh, album was sitting yeah. in my grandmother's house because it was my older cousin's uh, uh, album. And that song, Rest in Peace, Andre Harrell, yes, uh, was, seven, was seven minutes long. Yep. That song was seven minutes long. So, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you, you think about it like, you know, when I come from that era of hip hop and then trying to argue with somebody about Wayne and all their numbers, all their information is coming from record sales. It's not coming from the impact that the, the, the music had on the culture. Well, as the teacher teaches us, record sales don't make you the dopest. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I remember when KRS-One first came out. Like that, like all of those things basically... Uh -huh bring me to an era of someone always asking me, what's the golden age of hip hop to you? And I say, I'm glad you said to you, because my golden era, era of hip hop was the year of 1988. To me, that was the, the golden age of hip hop. The year of 1988 was the golden age of hip hop. I mean, the golden era for me was, I mean, it wasn't defined by 88, but that was my, about 87, 88 was my start. That was the start of my golden era. And it went to about 93, 94. Right. So those are the two years. Yeah, those are the two years that people argue the most. Like you can you can actually you know how they do those versus battles on, on, on Instagram right now? They should do an 88 versus 93. Like like they should do that battle. You know what I mean? Because to me, those two years. You think 93 will win? I, 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 I disagree. I, I'm an 88 dude. I think 88 will win. And the reason why I say that, the reason why I say that is I say 88 will win because when I go back and look at the catalog, and I ain't talking about songs, I'm just talking about albums that came out in that year. I still don't know how I bought all those albums. But I had every single one right. of them. There's a lot. So you got, you got Big Daddy Kane that came out in 88. You had uh, Fear of the Black Planet that came out in 1988. LL Cool J's I'm Bad came out in 1988. MC Light came out in 88. Audio 2 was out in 88. Heavy D and the Boys that was out in 88. 
I mean, it was uh, Stetson Sonic came out in 1988. You know, you had um, Slick Rick was out in 1988. There you I go. Mean, it was like, <laughs> yeah, 88, 88 was, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't, I'm just thinking 88. I'm just thinking Rakim, Kane, KRS. Made, made in full, yep. KRS, all of that. Which should, should be three. That should be enough. <laughs> to put away 93, but... Right. 93. But then, but then when you think of 93, you got Wu-Tang came out in 1993. Right. Nas was on the cusp, because that was right there, you know what I'm saying, in 94, like 93, 94. You understand know what yeah. I'm saying? So you had... Uh, right, right, right. Uh, Biggie right. came out in 1993. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Those were, those were the times. So I feel like... um, I feel like that's a good argument to have. You know what I mean? Um, but like you said, arguing with somebody that you never going to resolve it. I can agree to disagree, but I know I'm coming with straight facts. I think that's a debate I should have online one day. Yeah, but fact, facts don't mean nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, facts don't mean nothing right now. No, if, no, if, if not necessarily. Opinion, if my opinion doesn't align up with yours, the hell with your facts. Like, you can, you can, you can uh, state facts all you want, and it's not going to matter because I already have in my mind perceived what I think is to be true. So right, uh, and right. that's their mentality, man. But but a good somebody that has a good argument might cause you to change your idea about what you thought. No, I I'm stubborn too. <laughs> I know, but listen, I'm, I'm gonna give you a perfect example of this, right? I, we was in the barbershop one day. Uh, this was obviously a while back because barbershops are closed. And the argument came up of the best dunker in the NBA history, right? Everybody said Vince Carter. Like everybody, hundred percent. He's Carter. up there, man. Nah, he's, he's up, up there. there. But he's this dude, there. and I'm gonna I'm give him the edge over. I hate to say, I really hate to say this. I'm gonna see I'm you give, say. I'm gonna give him the edge over Neek, man. Okay, Neek was not because raw. of his creativity. Neek right. was just power, raw. It was right. It was Neek explosion. Was, but but Vince Neek. had all of that with creativity. Right. Nick like, was like not. Nick, Nick was not brought up. Tomahawk. Nick could do the same tomahawk and all that over and over. And I'm gonna still say, damn, because right. it was that raw and explosive. But Vince, man, good God, that, what he did in the in the, in the dream to me, dunked over a seven foot dude like I, I, that did it for me. All of that. Never seen that. Like I was on the same argument that you were on. Same argument you was on. I even pulled up the highlights and went over like it was a 30 minute highlight reel of all his greatest dunks right the seven footer was on there right but the dude was sitting next to me argued me down and told me it was sean kemp sean kemp was amazing i was about to say that sean kemp right. was up there right now i'm of the mindset of nah man it was vince carter and he was like okay <laughs> Oh. Let's look at let's look at the footage, right? <laughs> so we go and look at the footage, right? Sean Kemp here, was also six ten, though. Like right. when but they here, comes to us, I go to the smaller cat. Right, but here is why it changed my mindset. Changed a little bit based off this argument, and I'm stubborn too. All of Sean Kemp's highlights came in the game on somebody. Yeah. It wasn't by itself. And they were it wasn't on a fast break, right? It, it wasn't a fast break. Factor was, yeah. <laughs> right. It like, wasn't a fast break. How do you do that and not get beat up? You know what I mean? Like, it, you do that to me. If you put your nuts in my face and then point at me like that, we, we fight. 
<laughs> Listen, so it wasn't, it, and the funny thing about it with the Sean Kent dunks was, it wasn't an alley-oop. It wasn't a fast break where he was by himself doing a 360 or between the legs and over the thing and it wasn't a dunk contest. All of these bad boys came from one dribble in the paint, I'm coming up, bam, in your face. And right. I was like, damn. So at that moment, I really was like, whoa, I might have to come back off the fence off this one. This dude convinced me and was like, look at it again. And I never thought of it that way again, other than the fact that if I say dunk contest, I'm saying Vince Carter. You ask me in-game dunk, I'm going to be like Sean Kemp. Because it's just it's two different things. It's almost like arguing lyricism, lyricism versus MCing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like it's like one of those things. I mean, like, um, that, that dunk that Scottie Pippen did on Patrick Ewan in the playoffs in '94, it's like every one of Sean Kemp's dunks was that disrespectful. Absolutely, absolutely. And and the funny thing about it was the the uh, Pippen dunk, it was more to push at the end than it was the dunk. Like the push at the end was like, oh, you had to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you yeah, but, but and then to walk over him. You know what I mean? Like, I look at you as just human feces. But you got to look at it like this. Who didn't dunk on Patrick Ewing like that? Like, he, he right. everybody dunked on Patrick Ewing. He, yeah. was just, he just was the most disrespected big man I've ever seen. Well, he was there. I mean, he, they didn't have a zone. They didn't have a zone back then. It was man-to-man. A lot of times he had his back to the dude that was driving to the basket. You understand what I'm saying? Because they basically set the play up that way. So he was turning around, getting nuts in his face all the time. You know what I mean? So even the push, when he pushed Pippen away from him, he was like, and you could tell what he was saying, man, get your nuts out of my face. Like, that was a bad <laughs> <laughs> Like, Patrick Young is, is half Jamaican, man. He ain't going for that. Nah, not at all. Not but, at all. But Pip, that year that Jordan left, he had a lot to prove. And, you know, he proved it. Yeah. Plus, he, he had quit. Well, no, that was the, then I was the year they did quit on the team. But he was trying to become – the, the lead guy, and he did. So, yeah, yeah. You can't be the lead guy and not do stuff like that. You got to disrespect other people. Absolutely. But that's, a, that's another subject that you can debate. Like, who, who had the most disrespectful dunk in game? I can name three, and I just named one of them. Okay. That, that Pippen dunk was, ooh, that was up there. Right. The KJ dunk. From the sun. Oh yeah. When he came, like, oh man, it, it was God. It was so. He's a little guy, so and he he kept rising on that one. That was the he crazy went part. Up and up and up over a king, like yeah. It was that them two, and the John Starks joint, the left-handed over. Right on Jordan. Over what was the big three at the time? Right now, they say Jordan didn't get dunked on. That's all the that's all the Jordan apologists that will say Jordan, Jordan didn't was get there. dunked on. He was Jordan there. was there. He was there. <laughs> if John Starks don't do nothing else, he can show that to his grandkids. Like, watch how bad your granddad was. You know what I mean? That was, that was yeah. That was um, time, man. That that right, right there. Woo. I'm gonna say that uh, one I'm of the say other. The KJ they, yeah, the K, the, he was only 6'2". Right. The KJ joint was crazy. Who was – Vince Carter had one, too, against yeah. Alonzo Mourning. Yeah, but a lot Where of people do too. Like, Zoe, but Zoe they, was they, defensive they, player of the year and all that. And he's a VA boy. I love him. But, God, Zoe was – Zoe was ragged on a couple times. 
but they bumped, they bumped, they bumped at each other, and Vince kept going up. Like they bumped, and, and, and Lonzo kind of went back, and he just he just finished the dunk on her. I was like, oh, that was nasty. That was yeah, nasty no too. There's no sh no shame getting dunked dunked on by Vince Young, man. Vince Carter, man. Vince Carter. Vince, Vince, <laughs> listen, so, so one of the most disrespectful uh, moments in NBA. Speaking of Virginia, and I'm a Sixers fan, was the step over from Allen Iverson on Tyrone Luke. Tyrone Luke was that definitely that was. was. Yeah, that was um, and I remember the media hype that was going on during that time. Me being a Philly fan, and them talking about Tyron Lue being the obvious stopper and all this other stuff, and they had the game beforehand was a little bit. There wasn't no stopper. I mean, because the thing about it was, in that in that first game, in that first game, the Sixers won. He and then beat, they came, he beat the Shaq Kobe Lakers by himself. By himself. I mean, by himself. Of course, he got swept after that, but so what? It's, it's the Shaq and Kobe Lakers was one of the best teams I've ever seen in my life. Right. And he yeah. was one guy. It, it, was one like, guy. it was like Jordan. I mean, even Jordan didn't do that. When Jordan went in there and dropped them 63 points on Boston, he, they didn't win. Nope. Nope, I they lost. I that team to win with freaking Eric Snow. Come on, man. Eric Snow's uh, – and it, the crazy thing about it is, like, um, I remember that year specifically – because I, I think I watched every single game that season, um, their defense was insane that year. Like, their defense was insane. It would always come down to the last quarter, and the Sixers would be up by 10 points or 9 points or 8 points or something like that. And all I would say is in the fourth quarter was, all you got to do is score 10 more points, and the game is over. And that, every time it was like that, because their defense was so decent, they would never yeah. let somebody get more than, you know, more than 8 more points than they did in every quarter. You know what I mean? But, man, that's Shaq and Kobe Lakers was a buzzsaw, man. Like, mm -hmm. they losing to them. But like, but I remind Lakers fans all the time, Bubba Chuck, a six-foot guy. I'm not even going to say six-foot because I've been beside him. I'm going to say 5'10". Right. 5'10 you know, on a good day. Y'all, a 5'10 guy beat the one of the most storied teams in history by himself. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a lot, man. That says a lot. Yeah. I mean, um... And I mean, like I said, he don't get, I don't think he get enough respect. Um, obviously, Shaq get a lot of respect during that time because they won the championship. But Shaq will tell people straight up, you know, Allen Iverson, one of the toughest players that ever played a game. He said right. he don't get enough respect. And if people don't remember, they put a zone in the league because of Shaq and Allen Iverson. Yeah. They put the zone in the league. What, nobody can stop that man one-on-one. -on -one. Nobody. Hey, I was like, 160, 165, and he was not scared to go in there with Shaq and try to dunk on him. Like, <laughs> man, that's what caused that's what caused him to have an early retirement, man. That all them injuries, man. That dude was that dude was taking a beating every night. Yeah, eighty two games. He didn't take care of himself. I mean, when he did the whole practice thing, that's what he meant. He didn't practice. It was nah. he, he he got every accolade that he got, and them ten years that he played, whatever he played, how many years. That was all God-given ability, man. That was no dedication. That was right. no dedication to the gym or perfected no. prayer. He was perfected coming from Georgetown. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, he didn't, he didn't practice. Right. He didn't lift no weights. He didn't do none no. of it. You know what I mean? But if he would have had that discipline, if he would had the same discipline, like, let's say, Kobe did. Oh, man. But still, I mean, he, he was a little guy. So he still right. would have got beat up. Right. But they put the pieces around him. You know, they put the team around him based off the way he played that was going to make him succeed. And he wasn't – he was a selfish player. He wasn't giving the ball up. He wasn't looking for the open man. Obviously, was like, yo, it's me, and that's it. You know what I mean?
So that, I mean, that's what it, that's what it boiled down to. You know what I mean? But that, I mean, I miss those days. I don't really like the NBA as much as I used to like it back then. Yeah, you know I mean, nah, I don't. Um, I mean, I watch. If they put it on right now, I watch it for five straight weeks. But you know, I, I'm not a fan of the how they play right now. I mean, but it is what it is. Yeah, everything is a three pointer. Yeah, yeah, everything is a three pointer. You know, what I'm saying stuff ain't coming out the way it's supposed to. I feel like um, a force um, nowadays. We start talking about uh, if it was to ever come back um, with this uh, coronavirus situation. It's gonna be strange to me to be able to see sports happen without like seeing a, a um audience, yeah, or a crowd. And the thing about it is that I try to explain to people is you gonna hear a lot of cursing. I mean, a lot of cursing. If you watch that UFC uh thing on ESPN with no crowd, you heard everything. You heard every punch that hit. You heard every right. curse word. You heard every spit. Everything that happened, you heard it. So basketball, a lot of curse. Football, way more curse. That's all you're going to hear. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, so they're going to have to tell kids to be like, nah, y'all can't watch the football or basketball game. Hey, ain't no worse than what they're hearing at the crib. Or a school. Or school, yeah. Yeah, I remember. Cussing, cussing was actually a sport when I was a kid. <laughs> I, believe it or not, man, I got most of my curse words from my mom. I mean, like, I used to hear her. Whole bunch of cussing. Yeah, I used to hear her put combinations together. Like, man, I didn't know you could put that together. You know what I mean? Like stuff. Like stuff like I couldn't that. wait to use them in a sentence, man. I was like, boy, that's a new one there. <laughs> I think one of the first ones I used to hear was my grandfather come running through the house, and he'd be like, "Y'all better start running through this house before I knock the cowboy shit out of y'all." Yeah. We used to be hearing that all the time. I used to be like, "Oh man, mean as hell," you know what I mean? And like, you know, that's just all I used to hear. You know what I mean? But uh, I heard I heard all my granddaddy customer. He was trying to fix something. Oh yeah, fix something, putting something together. Man, I heard a lot of colorful cuss words. Dude, you know what? That brings me up. That brings up a point, man. I had to remember that. Um, there was a post you put up, and I want to say it was a video, and you was discussing. I don't know if it was a tweet or if it was a video. I'm trying to remember what it was, but I remember it, and you were talking about being a uh a product of inter, uh, interracial relationship and nothing more, nothing else brings you more joy. Ah, yeah, I, remember that. <laughs> I think, I think that was, I think I might did both. That might've been a tweet and a video. Right. But it was, uh, I think, I think you said nothing else brings, I think DL might've shared that one. Yeah. But you yeah, said, that's, nothing, that's when I was, when I was in Kentucky. Uh-huh. Of all places, and I'm walking around, I'm just like, man, there's a lot of interracial couples here, you know? Right. And, and watching them walk around the mall and watching, like, the older white people that don't condone that shit, watching their faces, oh, yeah, I felt compelled to say something about it. So, yeah, that's exactly what it was. Right. And then that's I think I think the word joy. is – go ahead, go ahead. I, I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I said nothing brings me more joy than seeing a God-fearing – a good old-fashioned, God-fearing bigot, you know, have to put up with his little caramel-colored <laughs> grandbabies. <laughs> Dude, it was perfect. It was perfect because it was like, you know, that was like one of those things that, that you just hear over time or you see over time. Like, I tell people all the time, like, when I'm online, when I'm online gaming or I'm online and I'm playing video games, 
mean, you hear so much racial backlash just over a video game. I mean, the first thing they throw out, the first word they throw out is nigger. And I'm like, I'm like, yo, man, like, yeah. And I go, man, I go, your te- your parents did a great job raising you, man. Like, I, that obviously came from a good upbringing. Like, you, there's no way you you learn that and you you cultivated that by living in a household that allow it. So the fact that your parents allow that to, to fester in you and the fact that you allow to continue to do it, your parents did a great job. Nobody's just now getting into nigger. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's not something like, you know, some kid eight years old, like, I'm going to look at the origin of this word and see if I can't use it in a sentence at the perfect time. No, nobody's right. nigger now. Right, right. But it's, it's kind of like... a proud legacy that's been handed down. From generation to generation. And, and, and the crazy thing about it is, you know, what I, what I try to explain to, you know, when I hear somebody say that or a kid that's doing that, I go, you know... The sins of your father and your grandfather is going to cause not you, but your children and their children. They had their ass kicked on a regular basis. Not only that, but to miss out on any, any potential blessings. Because you, you, definitely, you definitely set that precedent for your kids and their kids by all the messed up shit you do. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, so it's, it's, it's such a thing as generational curses, man. And it can come from all this bullshit that you do. You can pass right. it right Right. I hear I heard a um there was a clip that was I saw online, I think it was on Instagram, and somebody had an old clip of when um Farrakhan was on Donahue. Remember Donahue back in the day? Oh, yeah. And um a lady stood up and she was so upset. She was like, you know, um, you know, I, I don't know, but we need to work together and y'all, you know, you guys are talking about separate separate uh separatization and, and you guys are always also talking about um, you know, attacking white people. And uh, he said, I didn't say anything about attacking white people. And he's like, but it's funny to me that you have a fear of black people when black people don't have a, <laughs> we don't have a history of attacking white people. Y'all got a history of attacking us and you the one that's scared. He's like, that's the guilt that you got that you living with, that you feel like once we come to power, you got to pay for all the nonsense that y'all done did for us for over 400 years. And I was like, man, look. <laughs> I, don't agree with a, I don't agree with a lot that Farrakhan said, but I agree with a whole lot of Right. And it's, it's, it's funny because it's not, you know, I, like you, you, you're on the same page as I am. But, but my whole thing is, is you, you have to understand that when you, when you live a life and you've been in this cycle, and you see the systematic racism that happens and you live in it. And then like, you're able to rise above it and do things in spite of, but you know, those obstacles are still there. And then you see some people that haven't made it through. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, I get it. You know, I get it. You know, see, I, I feel that tenfold because I was one of, I don't know. I know I wasn't, but I, it feels like I was one of the first mixed kids. So mm-hmm. walking Walking around in my neighborhood, which was an all-black neighborhood, you know, in the in the late seventies, early eighties, when there wasn't mixed kids, I was like one of the only. I think it was two mixed kids in the whole neighborhood. Right. So I wore all that. Like I I, I heard all that racism and and, and shit, and, and my mama tried to keep me away from all that, but it's impossible. Right. You know, like, cause I I look different. You know, I was I had this big lion's mane of jet black curly hair. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I hung around a bunch of nappy head niggas. So of course <laughs> I stood out. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. And, and girls and women don't make it no easier because they constantly was playing in my hair and right. telling me, you know, how, because I look different, but, you know, how, you know, handsome I was and all that. Mm. So it, it made my life hard as hell, man. Right. So, so at this age now, you know, being that I was part of that struggle, I'm not even on the fence. I, I already know in, in, in their eyes, I'm a nigga. You know what right. I mean? Right, right. So, you know, if, if, what, what's going to happen? If I get pulled over by the police, they're going to say, you know, get out the car, nigga. And I'm just like, uh, you know, I'm not a nigga. I'm mixed. Well, both of y'all get out the fucking car. <laughs> <laughs> so I was there in the struggle with black folks all my life. So right. and you are what your father is. And I, I never straddled that fence like Tiger Woods and call me this and call me that. No, man. I, I'm a black man. I don't live all the, all the black men struggle. Mm-hmm. I, but I deviate from that because part of that is what made me who I am. Right, right. So I, I never enjoyed the benefits of being half white, except for that bullshit about being having curly hair and being mixed and light skin and all that. And that shit never mattered to me. In right. fact, in fact, it felt like a curse. I, I I agree with that too. I feel like um I grew up um you know and I'm 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 you know being in the South, I was able to get way more a lot more pigmentation in my skin now that I ever had when I was younger. When I was younger, I was high yellow. But right. it was like, um, my daughters, my daughters, you look at my daughters now, they are the same skin tone that I was when I was growing up. So when like, a lot of people see my daughters and they always go, your daughters are mixed. And I go, hell no, they ain't mixed. Like they mom black and they dad is black. You know what I mean? Like they don't, you know what I'm saying? Like my mixed, my mixed heritage come from my great, great grandfather. You know what I mean? Right. He was a white man. You know what I mean? But that don't have nothing to do with you know, my, my kids and my kids, they get, they go to a predominantly white school. So the white kids is asking them all the time, well, y'all mixed. And they're like, nah, I said, you better not tell them that you're you mixed. I don't even see how it ever mattered. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it don't, but it's, it's, th- it's them asking the question because they don't understand, you know, my, my, my daughters and, um, and, and I get it. And I, I mean, I understand like, you know, it, it might be a white kid that they around school and the majority of the kids in the school is white. And then my daughters, they stand out because they're not white, but then they got this uh, naturally uh, highlighted hair, right? And and they fair skin, and they tall, and they 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 you know they're nice, and they get along with everybody, and they athletic. And them white girls is probably standing around like, well, I can't get my hair to do that. You understand what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know, and then that's one of the things that I got on them about when they were younger, because they was they wanted their hair straightened. And I was like, listen, and I, I talked, I had a conversation with them and their mom was like, yeah, y'all can do it if y'all want to. And I told them, I said, your mom is letting you do this and then you want to get your hair straight, that's fine. But always understand, you can get your hair and make it look like, like theirs, but they can't get their hair to look like yours. I was like, right. they have pride in the way your hair is and the kinkiness of it and the fact that it curls and the fact that it is the way it is. Because once this hair is not straight anymore and you twist it back up, when it come out after them, out of them twists, please believe they're going to be wanting their hair like that too. And they're going to want right. their hair braids and they're going to want their hair twisted and they're going to want their hair with all these different styles that you're able to do with your hair. So they always knew that. They always understood that. So they they like, they rock whatever they want to rock, but I always let them know, you can straight your hair if you want to, but understand which hair, which your hair is supposed to look like naturally. You know what I mean? So. Man, I, I remember early on, early on, 
uh, you know, going to the drugstore and, and taking the money that my mother gave me and trying to buy like Jerry Curl shit. You know, like <laughs> I can't remember the name of it, but it was like the yellow bottle with the red letters. You know, um, it, wait a minute, it's uh, <laughs> Curl, uh, was it Curl Free? Curl Free? Carefree, that's a carefree curl. Yeah. I, was going to, I was going to buy that shit and I was spraying it in my hair, you know, trying to get a jerry curl. And I know my mother, yeah, I know my mother, God, God bless her soul. My mother was white, but she was more of a nigga than I'll ever be. Right, right, you right. Know? And I remember she, you know, I, she was like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, like, and I'm, I'm just like, I'm trying to get a jerry. She was like, your hair's natural curl. She was like, you don't have. Nigga, hell. I remember my white mother told me that. She had to tell me that. Oh, my God. That's she funny. Like, it was like, even if you had nigga hair, you wouldn't want it. You know what That's I mean? Like, funny. And she was, and, and I remember I was a little offended by that when she said that, but she was fucking true. She was being honest. Right, right. That's funny, man. That's why early on, I was never ashamed. Like, I remember my white mother would come up to school to get me. And, you know, people would be like, who mama's that? You know, like she walk in the classroom. And of course, I'd be like, ugh. Right. I was never, but I was never ashamed that my mother was white. I was ashamed that she was such a nigga. <laughs> you know but, what I mean? But yeah, like just the, the, the type of person she was, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like such a nigga because she was a nigga about me. Like, right, right. I remember going to the candy lady at an early age, six, seven years old. And the candy lady used to joke me. Like, I come in there, she'd be like, you're the little half-white kid, you know? And I remember she asked me one time, she's like, boy, what color are you? And everybody in there laughing, ha, ha, ha. And I remember I went home crying to my mother. And I was like, you know, the candy lady, you know, Miss Teensy, I remember her name. I was like, she asked me, you know, what color I was, and everybody started laughing. And I remember my mother was like, if that bitch asks you again what color you are, pull down your pants and let her see your ass and ask her what color your ass <laughs> And she was dead serious. And guess what? When I went to the candy lady, she asked me again, and I pulled down my pants and showed her my ass. The candy lady took a belt and hit me on the way out the door. I went and got my mother. My mother came to the door, a white woman in an all-black neighborhood, asked her to come out on the porch, and my mama whipped her ass on that Wow. <laughs> From that day on, I was like, my mother is not a regular white woman. You know what I mean? Like, never. Yo, that's crazy. Yo, that, that's why I look. My mother is to be respected, man, for, for, for me forever. Because she set the precedent early. She didn't, she was not, she might have been a white woman, but she was raised in black neighborhoods and she was not gonna let nobody bother me. Like Right. And, and you know what? And then she probably had that pent up, like, ain't nobody gonna mess with my bait. You know the crazy she thing was about it. That a lot. She was probably hearing all. Oh, you got to look. You got to black. Yeah. So she was, of course, she dated a black man back in the seventies in Virginia. Yeah. So right. Of right. Heard all the backlash, and that was pent up anger. I'm sure. Now the crazy thing about it is, is like you know, I got older siblings. So my 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 oldest brother and sister is 16, 17 years older than me. Then I got a nine a sister that's nine years older than me. Then was me and my twin sister, right? So my mom had a whole upbringing of kids before me and my sister was even around right? right my kids my, my brother is almost grown by the time we was born right so when my mom turned 70 i had this surprise party for her and i had everybody in the family write a story about my mom growing up or something about their aunt or a, their sister or whoever it was in the family and just so we can read them and have it in a booklet 
for her for her 70th birthday. There was a story that my cousin told that I never heard in my entire life. And I'm asking my brother, like, yo, did that happen? He was like, hell yeah, mom was crazy. Right? So <laughs> apparently my brother was out with my cousins. And my brother, my older brother and my older cousins was out. They the same age. And these kids was picking on him. And the kids jumped on him, and he came back home crying or whatever. And here come my mom. They, uh, my cousin ran around the corner and told my mom that these kids was picking on my brother. He said my mom came down the street and had her hand in her in her underneath her underneath her dress, like underneath like this little pocket in her dress. Mm. She came down the street, and I don't know if she had anything on her, but when she came down the block, everybody kept saying, "Here come Miss Carol." And they all, all them people ran up in the house, like all of them. Like it was like seven, eight of them. The kids, the parents, the cousins, everybody ran up in the house. And my mom standing out the fence, said, "Y'all come on out here. Said, jump on them one more time. Come on out here and jump on out. You know them people would not come out of that house? Yeah. And I was like, yo, my mom 5'2". You understand yeah. what I'm saying? My mom is 5'2". And I said, y'all, my mom's scared. And he said, man, they said, man, Aunt Carolyn came around that corner and nobody would come out of that house. And I was like, yo, and that, that's just what my mom was. I remember growing up, man, we go into a store and somebody's car got a problem. My mom turned that whole store upside down. Ain't nothing like a mama's love or a mama's fury, man. <laughs> yeah. I remember I had to fight some kid in front of my house. Some kid said something about my mom, and my mom was in the window. She heard it. She called, pulled me to the window. She said, you got there and whip his ass. She yeah. said, and if you don't win, when you come in this house, I'm going to whip your ass. That used to be the standard. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember I had to fight that boy and I, I tried to kill his ass. And then she said, don't you ever let nobody talk about your mom. She said, don't you ever walk away from somebody talking about your mom like that. And I was just like, I remember, I just remember that day. I was like, cause I thought I was gonna get in trouble for trying to fight him. That was a sport too, back when I was growing up, talking about people's mama. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was the go-to. I mean, that was the go-to. The, the go-to was mama. your mama. You know what I'm saying? Your but mom she, was funny. Yeah, but she, she just happened to hear it in the window at the time when it was going on. You know what I mean? So, you know, it was like one of those things. And my mom wasn't trying to have all, my mom was like, nah, we ain't having none of that. You ain't let nobody talk about your mom. But shit, if my mom had been around in high school, my mom was a topic of conversation every day as was everybody else's mom. Yeah. You know what I mean? We was coming up, I think uh, our, our favorite saying when we was in high school was where your mom at? That was a, that was a greeting to yeah. everybody. People are like, what up, Bo? Like, what up, man? Where your mom at? That was our greeting. Like, that's how we would talk to each other. You know? <laughs> that was it every day. There used, um, to this, there used to be this dude that used to chase me home because I was bullied up being a mixed kid. So uh -huh. it, was this dude, it was this dude who used to chase me home from school every day. You know, and his name, well, I'm sure sure it wasn't his, his real name, but his nickname was, was Greedy. So mm -hmm. you knew he was a nigga. Right, right, so right. He used to chase me home every day, dark-skinned cat. And I used to run home. And I remember one day, my mama just happened to see me out the screen door running. I'm running with my books in my hand. And I looked at her looking at me out the screen door. She locks the screen door, closed the door. Wow. So I, she, I guess she was saying, you gonna wear that ass weapon today. So I get up to the porch, survival instincts kick in. I turned around, fresh pack of notebook paper on a, on a clipboard. Right. Turn around and waggle. <laughs> I got to the porch and I'm knocking on the door and she's looking out the window like she ain't gonna open up the door. 
I thought I was gonna get my ass whipped, so I smacked him across his nose with the fresh pack of notebook paper on the clipboard, bust his nose, blood flew 20 feet in the air, man. Right, right. And I remember how proud she was of me, but I remember that ass whipping I got at the ice cream truck the next day. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you he gonna catch you, you know what I'm saying, he, somewhere. No more though, but but I, I took that ass whipping the next day. Yeah, and it was it's it's crazy because I mean I remember specifically, you know, the fights that I would have to get in uh get into growing up. I mean, um I thought I had to fight a lot because I had a twin sister. So um I had a twin sister and she was overweight. So she was the butt of jokes a lot of times. And, and I was like, nah, man, y'all ain't gonna be talking about my sister. You know what I'm saying? So it was more or less like, there go Judd, man. Jay about to fight again. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, and they'd be like, man, why are you always fighting? Like, dude, all they gotta do is not say nothing about my sister and we ain't never gotta fight. Right. I was like, but once you say something, we gotta fight. I don't care if you my friend. I don't care if we, we enemies. We gonna fight. Well, we gonna whip your ass. I don't care. We gonna fight. Mama though. jokes, mama jokes, fat jokes. They yeah. Were- yeah. It was the best ones. Yeah. But then the crazy thing was, by the time my sister got to high school, I think my sister was more or less like, yo, stop trying to fight everybody. I can handle myself. You know what I mean? And it was like stuff stuff would come up, and somebody said something slick to her one day in the hallway and said something about her being fat. He was like, be quiet, fatty. And she turned around. I mean, it was like, it was mad people in the hallway. It's about 40 people standing around. She said, fatty. And everybody just got quiet, right? She said, oh, listen, that's the best you can come up with? Like that, like that, right? So everybody started laughing, right? She said, I'm going to give you another chance. She said, I'm going to give you another chance. Clear slate. Go go right ahead. Give me the best one you got. Go ahead, because I know you can do better than Fatty. Like that. <laughs> Yo, yeah. dude got quiet as hell, man, and got mad. And then kind of tried to approach her. And, man, these dudes jumped out and whipped his ass, Right? But I was laughing. I was laughing because I was like, man, she was like, that's why I'm trying to tell you, you ain't got to fight everybody. You know what I mean? She was like, now, if he put his hands on me, then I'm calling you. I said, oh, okay, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? She was like, but words is words. You know, we got to the high school. She was like, I ain't worried about words no more. You know what I mean? Because right. the insults that I would give her at home was 10 times worse than fatty. You know what I'm saying? Like, we would go in back and forth. You know, she be talking about my head. I be talking about her fatness. We be going back and forth. You know what I mean? It was like all nonstop. It's a, it's, a, it's a lot of fat jokes out there. So you got, yeah, be creative, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, like if somebody called me, like a, a white person called me nigga, I'll be like, that's your go-to. Like, it, you know what I mean? Right. And it's, you, it's still worthy of ass whipping, but, you know, you can say that's the best you can do. It's a lot of shit out there that would probably irritate me a little more, like moon cricket. Right. You know. <laughs> Moon cricket, moon, what the fuck the moon cricket, moon cricket, porch monkey, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. real nasty shit out there. Porch monkey, uh, spear chucker. Oh my god, like, yeah, that, oh, yeah, no, oh, yeah, deep, man. Man, you digging into my ancestry and shit. Like, you, <laughs> I don't know, man, it's, it's crazy. It's like, um, the way the way this tension is going on right now and things is happening on with Ahmaud Avery and and um you know, the the systematic racism and the fact that we still on the hunt. Um, you know, the story is coming out and then obviously I can't stand when I got people on my social media trying to argue a point. And I'm like, don't don't argue the point, man. Like you would never stand in my shoes. You don't know what it's like to be black. Even if care. you got a, I don't want to hear it. I don't care what this man did. I don't care what y'all saw him doing. I don't care what he was on camera doing. He didn't do anything to deserve to lose his life. No. Period. But if the shoes have been flipped around, 
the other way around, this scenario had been flipped away the other way around, somebody would have been dead already. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? But, you know, our egalitarian background and how we handle things, you know, we always going to let it slide. You know what I mean? But I pray to God, if something ever like that happened to me, I want somebody to write. Like, somebody got to do something, oh, yeah. man. Don't let me die in vain, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, somebody be like, nah, we got to burn something down. Like, something got to happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> somebody got to go. You understand what I'm saying? That's more disheartening about anything. I mean, you know, that's the most disheartening thing about it all, man. Like, you know, you, you see somebody leave here in that fashion and nothing's done. It's like, you know, their life didn't even matter. And, and that's the most disheartening shit about the whole thing, man. Right. I want I want somebody to do something about mine. Yeah. I want it to look like do the right thing, goddammit. That, that, that's one of the best movies of all time still to this day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> to this day, I still love that movie, man. And it's like it's funny, man. When I look at that movie and I realize the time frame that it was in and that summertime, why did you why did you feel the summer in that movie? Like yep. the whole scenes with the heat and the ice cubes with Rosie Perez was like one of the best scenes of all time. Yeah. Thank God for the right nipple. Thank God for the left nipple. And if you are listening to this and you don't know what scene I'm talking about, go see it. That those those two scenes right there is like you know that that I felt the summer in that movie. The like movie was all dope. day long. Yes, it was dope. It was dope. Yes, yes. Um, hey, so we I do this thing now, and I think I did it on the last time we was on here. We're gonna do it for you too. We're gonna uh, see if you can answer these James Lipton questions, and I'm gonna <laughs> remix it a little bit. See if you can go ahead and come up with your answers. You might remember the ones you did last time, but maybe not. Change it up if you have to. I don't care. You know what I mean? But here we go. Uh, what's your favorite word? Uh, damn, I don't really have a favorite word. What was the word I said last time? I, I have no idea. I said, oh, geez. Like, that's my expression. Like, Messed up happened, I'm like, oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> That's you trying to be on the clean side and try to be, uh, yeah, I got you. That's the white side coming out of you. That's it. <laughs> That's it no, like, you know what? I kind of I got that from Jay or Modern Family because he, you know, he said, <laughs> he's like, oh, jeez. Underrated, underrated show. I, that, oh, that's a very not, underrated, it's underrated show. Me. I, it's, it, it gets the proper praise for me. I can watch mm -hmm. it every day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what's your least favorite word? Ah, you didn't ask me that last time. Uh, I, I, I think I did. My least favorite word is... Yeah. Damn. I don't know why you couldn't say phrase. <laughs> all right, say, all right, phrase. Least favorite phrase. No, I was saying that hoping you wouldn't say that because I don't have a least oh, favorite phrase. You don't have a least favorite phrase or a least favorite word. Uh, so you don't have a word where somebody say, you're like, man, I hate that word. Don't use that word around me. Uh, rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Rubbish? Said, yeah, rubbish. I, just say trash, man. You know? <laughs> oh, they doing too much. That's like somebody say, uh, or somebody say suffer. Yeah, and when somebody like, say suffer instead of my dinner. My grandmother used to say suffer. So, so you, so you're a suffer person. That's kind so. of endearing to me. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay, I got you. Um, all right. So you know my term TTBS stands for. That's that bullshit. Basically, uh, def defining anything and everything. You have absolutely no control over in your life. What's that's that bullshit to you? That's that bullshit is what it is to me too. Shit, I, I say that a lot. I'm like, man, that's that bullshit. Yeah, but what 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 specifically to you? Oh, what is specifically that? Bullshit? Yeah, to you, that's uh, that bullshit. Yeah. 
I mean, for me, and I and I've let this go over uh-huh. over the, the last couple of years, but seeing seeing comedy go in the direction that it's going, yeah, uh, you know, I, I come from a proud era of, of comedy being for funny people, right, and, and not interesting people or people who have a large following. Mm-hmm. I don't give a damn if you got thirty million followers. You know, if, if they follow you because they think you're funny, they're idiots. You know, right. I, I'd rather have 12 to 15 people follow me that actually know that I'm funny. Right. So I think the direction, and, and this could be changing as we talk now because of everything that's going on, because I, I don't see a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the video comics. And I don't have nothing against them. I mean, get yours the way you get it. Right. I don't see a lot of video comics thriving like they once were. Nah. You know, right. I think I think the the pendulum is swinging, and it's coming back to people that are naturally funny because there's a lot of support for guys that can't get on stage now, um, that people know and revere as being funny. I think a lot of the support is swinging in their direction. Yeah, so, absolutely, absolutely. People, people starting to feel sorry for guys like us now. Because, you know, it's first of all, if you're a comedian, you have to have a degree of mental illness to <laughs> to want to make somebody laugh for a living. I mean, you have to be kind of crazy. Right. So the mentally ill people that laugh at the shit that we say, they feel sorry for us now because we don't have a stage to get our mental illness off. Right. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah. So now Absolutely. They deal with our depressed asses, you know putting pictures of stages up saying, I can't wait to get back. And, you know, videos are showing a lot more about transparency and not our funny side. They're like, you know, go back to being funny, motherfucker. Like, I want to I want to see some funny, not you being depressed. So, yeah, right. that's that bullshit. And, and, and I think that's changing now. So I, yeah. I, don't, I don't have it. The bullshit yeah. that we can't get on stage. So, yeah, that's that bullshit. That's that bullshit, the fact that we can't get on stage. I mean, like, so and the flip side of the flip side of that, and uh, and I and I like the, the points that you bring up about the um the comedians and, and how things have changed. I always been a believer in cream will rise to the top. And um, you know, if you're bullshitting over on somebody, you're gonna be exposed, and um, you know, Absolutely. eventually the, the truth is gonna come out. Um, and we talked about that's that bullshit, but what's the shit to you? Like when you see something like, man, that's the shit. I love that shit right there. Like, what's that? What's that to you? Man, seeing, seeing somebody come up with some grassroots campaign that nobody believes in or very few people lived in, I mean, believe in, mm-hmm. and watch them turn that into something that is just extremely dope and people grasp onto it and they grow into something. You know, yeah. watching somebody go through all the bullshit for many years and and not get the recognition that they deserve and then finally get that superior push that they've been waiting on, you know, and, and watch them grow into what they've been telling you they were going to grow into from the beginning and a lot of people didn't believe in it. That's the shit. Yeah, that is. And uh, I liken it to somebody that gets a... um a viral thing that happens for somebody that's been doing it for a long time. And then they oh. finally get they like, um, I, I give props to, um, I give props to like a Tony Baker, right? Who, who is a stand-up comedian, but he puts so much content out. He finally is able to get a following where he can sell out a venue 
even right. though he'd been doing comedy long way before he was doing that. Right. So now he does have the following and all the work he put in, he was able to get the following to be able to bring the audience that's going to come him watch, watch him tell jokes, not do voiceovers for animals on stage. He actually can tell his jokes on stage just because he does voiceovers for animals online. Right. And I, I got a taste of that because I've been doing comedy for so long. And the video that we were talking about, about, you know, when DL retweeted that video, that gave me a taste of what it would take to put me in my proper positioning. Absolutely. It just Absolutely. takes one person of power or or someone – well, they don't necessarily have to be in power, but somebody to say, you know what, God, this guy's great, and go to somebody and and argue on your behalf. The go to bat for him. Yep. You know, like if, if, if Dave Chappelle came out online right now today and said – Which he's never going to do. Never, never <laughs> going to do. But if he came out online today and said, man, I saw a clip of some guy named Jay Bliss, and he is funny as hell. That's all it would take. That's it. Simple, simple piece of work. All of a sudden, everybody won't find out who the fuck I am. And now it's like, all right, well, bring them, bring them to this venue. I you know what? See I've, had, I've had a lot of people come to, come to me many, 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 many years and be like, man, won't you put some videos out there like that? And, I, and I'll just be like, no disrespect to video guys, but I'm not one of them. You know, right. like, I, I don't want to jump in their lane. And right. I, I really don't need them jumping in my lane, taking checks out of my, out of my pocket. Right. But, you know, here's a, here's a crazy thing. The way well, I look on, at let that, me, let me that. Let me make that one last point. Mm-hmm. I, said, I always say if I was to jump out there and make a video mm-hmm. and it gets a trillion views and now I'm hot and everybody wants to wait on the next video and I start to get my accolades from that, I would probably despise that because – Motherfucker, I've been great for all these years. It's just a simple-ass video for y'all to, to get everybody's attention, even though I know that's how God works. Right. He's going to give you your shine in any possible way that he's going to give it to you. But I would be disgusted. But, of course, I go collect them checks and make more videos. But Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, Bo, you, you, you did the video on the style thing, right? You, you did a video online about being about style and you how you dressed. And everybody know when you get on stage, boy, you be dressed to the nines. You know what I mean? Cufflinks, tailor-made shirt, uh, you know, collar ties. Uh, uh, the, brim, the brims always is on point. You understand what I'm saying? And if you – if you did that and all of a sudden you was, you gained a following that you did not have for comedy, this is a different following. It's still I, an audience. I would, I would feel differently. I would it's, feel differently. But it's still an audience. Because it's and, a totally different lane. Right. It is. But you and know what, it's man? There's something else that I'm, that I'm great at and that I'm very passionate about. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm great at it is because I'm passionate about it. Right. You know, when you start talking about people's passions, man, they take that shit serious. Right, and I don't put a whole lot of work into a lot of tears and and everything else. I had a, so many disappointments and triumphs, and you know when you when you start playing with people's passions, man, that's a lot. Right. So the the dressing up thing, if I got a, a following from that, I would take that and it would make me proud, and I would continue to do it and at a high level. Right. But I, I know to separate that from, you know, I don't think people would start breaking down walls to come watch me perform in suits. <laughs> but nah, right, right. You know, yeah. but they would they would show me love based off of me being passionate and giving good pointers or something that I'm passionate about. Right. I, and and that's that's the thing, that's the thing that uh a lot of people don't realize. I mean, there's a lane for for that though. There's a lane for what you provided in that video. Yeah, it is. Because I don't see nobody else doing it. Not not in the fashion that I do it because I 
I, I put a twist on it and, you know, I'm cussing and, you know, making jokes and, and Still everybody's, everybody's very serious about that. You know, the tutorials about ties and all that. He's like, why is this piano playing in the background? And, right. you know, I, I don't want to hear this shit. Just show me how to tie a fucking tie. Right, right. There you so go, you man. Got, you got somebody doing it from a comedic point of view and, you know, you get a couple chuckles out of it because it's stressful, man. Like, right. when I was trying to tie a bow tie, I watched 30 videos. And I'm just like, none of, none of these people do it the same way. You know nope. what I mean? Nope. And the crazy thing about it is, I remember I, I used to go to this barbershop uh, when I had hair. Um, <laughs> and one day we walked in the barbershop and I walked in and one of the barbers was like, hey, man, tie this tie. I was like, why? He said, we just asking everybody to come in to tie the tie. We want to see everybody how many different ways tie it, tie they tie. And I said, well, what kind of knot you looking for? And they was like, everybody was like, oh shit. And I said, I said, you know, I said, what, what are you looking for? And they were like, just tie how you would do it in the morning. And I was like, all right. So I, I showed them, I showed them the, the, the first way I tied it. They was like, okay, we ain't seen that one yet. I said, all right. I said, now if I was going to a business meeting or I was going to an important meeting and I wanted a, a, a Oxford, like a, a, a bigger knot, like a bigger, a bigger knot, I said I would do this. And I showed them like how it folded, how it dot, how I tied differently. Mm-hmm. And they was like, yo, they was like, so you don't measure like the, the, the short end? I said, not for that tie, don't, not for that, not, that, not the way I tie that one. I said, but when I tie it this way, I always measure on the, on the, on the second button. And they was like, yo, <laughs> like people was like trying to figure out like how do you figure that out? I said, dude, that's just over time. Like, that's just and over time and, and retiring and retiring. Yep. Yeah, if you're wearing a shirt with a pointy collar, mm-hmm. of course it's going to come down and it's going to be closer so you can do a smaller knot, which you yep. should. You mm-hmm. don't want a fat ass knot under a small collar. Nope. Yeah, if you got a red collar, you dressing up, dressy, dressy, make that knot fat. Like it, a lot of people don't, they don't get it. And, they don't. And I guess we're here to teach them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a lot of different ways, but as every people come through that door and everybody was doing a tie differently, it was funny. Like one dude came through, he tied his tie without even putting around his neck. He did the whole thing in his hand. He wrapped it around his hand. He tied it like that. Then he put it on it. And everybody's like, God damn. Everybody's like, <laughs> and he go, he's like, I've been tying it like that since I was 12. Everybody, everybody has a different method. And a lot of times when I'm getting dressed, you know, cause I'm one of them type, you know, if I'm performing at seven 30, I'm going to start laying my clothes out like three. Yeah, I'll make sure everything is up to point. And if I'm wearing a tie, sometimes I'll tie the tie and and I'll lay it there. So because I, I've noticed over the years when, when I tie a tie, if I can't get it like I want it, I'm going to untie it. And by the time I get it like I want it, my shirt wrinkled as hell from doing this. All the time. Yeah, so absolutely. A lot of times I just put that collar, put it down, whoop, and, and I'm, I'm still looking fresh press when I, when right. I get on. I remember when the bow ties came out, I had a little cousin that was rocking bow ties at school. And I was up there one weekend and I saw him and he was like, he said, she said, yeah, your, your little cousin over there rocking bow ties now. And I said, let me see, let me see your bow ties. And he came out and showed me the bow ties. They was all clip-ons. Yeah. And I said, nah, man. I said, nah. Like that, right? So he was, yeah, he was in high school. He was like 14. So I said, I said, nah, man. So I went to the car and I had a couple of them in the car. Then I mailed them like five of them, right? I said, if you go, I said, if you're going to rock them, I said, tie them yourself. I said, and then, so you go online and learn how to tie them. And if you don't, I said, you FaceTime me and I'll show you how to tie them, right? I said, and this is what you do. I said, you go through about six periods in school. I said, once you get to our seventh period, the ninth period, I said, you just unravel it and let it hang. That way you let everybody know for the rest of the day, you tie that damn thing yourself. 
yep. and you felt like rocking it like that. You understand know what I'm saying? That's, <laughs> the part, that's the coolest part of the night when I'm done and I untie that joint and open up the button. Yeah. I feel, I feel so rat packaged, you know what I mean? Like I'm yeah, yeah, absolutely. Moving a cigar with my untied bow tie, like it looked like the night is complete. Absolutely, absolutely. That's exactly I, what I've it had, is. I've had people come under me and pull on my bow tie because they're like, man, there's no way you tied that. Because I can tie a fucking bow tie. Like yeah. I think it's like it's a clip on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I like uh what's my uh, my man Mike Goodwin, comedian friend of mine, bow tie comedy. That bad that bow tie he tied that thing without even going in the mirror. He's yeah. staying right there and just tied. Boom, 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 boom. Yep. yep, and just it's perfect, you know, every time. So um I, I'm a, I'm a, all right, okay, wait a minute. I got, I got a couple more questions. I'm going to remix this question too. Um, what's your ultimate music to come out to in your life, not on stage, just in your life, in your mind, song, bodacious, go-to song, coming out to? I've come out to a, not a whole lot of, because, you know, I, I never was that type of comic. Either. Right, I to, right. I used to hate to see, you know, urban comics come out and dance for two minutes off a of yeah. song. But this is this is like this is like you you this is you. This song encompasses you. This is you introducing yourself to the world. Not necessarily coming on stage like we do as comedians, but he was like, yo, you know bodacious, walk in a room, this is the song that that encompasses you. Well you know what? The music has changed. Right. But now as of right now, this is what I come out to. Okay. That's it. That's it right there. That's it right there. Everything else. Win, 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 win. Right. I got you on that one. I got you on that one. Um, so you got uh walk off music. <sighs> walk off music. If somebody was to be like, yo, this is the end. This is how I'm walking out of here. Y'all ain't gonna never see me again. Boom! This song, this this song encompasses me walking out of here. So the riding off into the sunset music. Yeah, man, that's bro. That you should have asked me that at the beginning so I could think about that. Mm hmm. But you ready to do this, nigga? You ready to come down here? So you went back to VA on on that one there. I, I went. 
because I embody everything it is about about this song and my area, and it's like it's the anthem, man. Right, 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 right. So, 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 uh, you got. I mean, obviously, you know, because I'm from New Jersey, so I'm always like repping the area where I'm from, and I feel like that encompasses me as a person and things like that. So, you know, when somebody like the Clips came out. You know, it was kind of like, yo, I got my anthem now. You know what I mean? Like, we got our anthem. We got the songs that we 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 want to hear is representing VA, like a like a skills. Somebody might not know about a skills. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people don't know about skills as an yeah, MC. Yeah, but skills wrote, a, skills wrote a lot of songs that people uh, absolutely adore and don't know. A lot, and that dude is is official. You know what I mean? Like a me, yeah. So, like, me growing up, you know, like, I was a big naughty by nature and, you know, red man and, like, people from New Jersey and, you know, stuff like that. Like, I was like, yo, yeah, but, New Jersey. But Dana, Dana has, like, the Jersey anthem. Like, right. It's one of the dopest songs I ever heard. And right. it was on the New Jersey Drive soundtrack. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and that, the only thing I didn't like about New Jersey Drive is the whole thing about the car. That's all people kept thinking about New Jersey. Y'all yeah. still call. That's that, all y'all that, do still call. Yeah. And I was like, man, come on, man. That ain't all that ain't all we about. You understand what I'm saying? But, you know, I couldn't get away from that stigma uh, once that movie came out. You know what I mean? So, you know, hey, we're going to um, we're going to wrap this one up, man. And um, hopefully all the recording went properly. I'm going to splice this one together. See uh, if we can get this one posted up. And, uh, I don't have another hour with me, Nah, nah, you good, you good, you good. And uh, I appreciate you, I appreciate you joining in.